Well, good morning to you. Now, I have a question for you this morning. You notice lately I'm all full of questions, right? I have all kinds of questions. And the reason I have so many questions is because I know you have all kinds of answers. So, my question then for you this morning is how should we then live? Very simple question. How should we then live? Now, when I uh, use that phrase, how should we then live, some of you may recall that that is a, a title to a series of DVDs that was done by uh, Francis Schaeffer a number of years ago. Uh, we were fortunate enough to participate in some of that many, many years ago now. How should we then live? Also, when I use that, uh, that phrase, I'm I'm also reminded of the Apostle Peter in his second letter, as he comes very close to the end, where he basically uh, asks the same question or makes a similar statement. In other words, where he's saying in the light of all these things that we have written about in this letter, how should we live in this world? How should we conduct ourselves? So how should we then live? Now, there's various ways you could look at that. One way, and, and this is the way that most of us take it, I think most of the time, how should we then live is how should we conduct ourselves in the light of all this uh, these things that are true how should we conduct ourselves how should we live every day the other side of that and this is the part that many of us don't see very often is uh, uh, what is the what is the secret or what is the key to our new life in Christ in other words how should we live the Christian life not how should we do? How should we make our decisions, and how should we conduct ourselves? But what is the secret to the Christian life? How, in what manner, do we live that life? And so it's not just—it's not just a statement that should uh, that tries to get us to um, modify our behavior or adjust the way we behave ourselves. It's uh, a question that goes to the heart of the source of the Christian life how the life comes to us. So that's what I'd like to pursue a little bit with you this morning, and and I think we'll not take a long time this morning, but I'd like to begin that with you. The, uh, the other thing that I want to mention, uh, oh my, I'm trying to remember how much uh, time has gone by since I was 26 years old. Pat, can you do the math for me? <laughs> uh, you know, I've doubled that at least once. I'm on my way to tripling it. In any event, one of the things that came to me and when I was about 26 years old, I came, it came to me like this. You know, with great, uh, with great force was, if I had known that, what I now know, how would that have changed my life up until now? Remember, I was only 26 years old, which is a mere babe to me. And it came to me with great, because I, I had come recently into possession, if you like, or into a place where I could see things in a way I'd never seen them before. And so the question then was, if I'd known then, when I was younger, when I was going through this particular age or this age and making this decision or that decision, if I had known then what I now know, how would that have changed? And I came quickly to, to, to uh, the place where I knew that it would have radically changed my life up until now. It just would have radically changed everything. Some things would have been the same, but many things would have been very, very different. 
and I would have avoided a great number of pitfalls and very dangerous places that I passed through and sometimes not only passed through but actually stayed for a period of time in those places. This was one of the motivating reasons why a few of us in those in that time frame began to consider our responsibility to attempt to pass on some of the things that we were now seeing to those younger than ourselves who were just starting out and coming up. And that's one of the reasons why some of us began to envision the idea of ministry, especially youth retreats and things of that nature, is we wanted so much to be able to communicate some of these things that we were now seeing. Because we kept asking and saying to ourselves, if I had known then what I now know, how would that have changed my life up until now? So what I would like to pursue just a little bit this morning, and I'm still, uh, we're still wrestling, we're still wrestling with this. Again, I told you last week that that gave me this Christmas present. So we're still wrestling with this. I wanted to call it a cold, but it's not a cold. It's not a cold. It's something more than that. But uh, it's on its way out, and by this time next week, uh, we would say that it will have uh, been uh, completely evicted from the premises. <laughs> and I'm not going to send it to your house, as my wife sent it to my house. <laughs> I say it in jest, partially. <laughs> well, one of the one of the great revelations at that time in that time frame, about the age of 26 years, one of the great revelations to us and to me particularly that I had never really seen before was that uh, the Christian life was basically, um, it began with a new creation. And it was not just trying to abide by rules and regulations and trying to be a good boy or a good girl, but it was a new life coming and being implanted within the spirit. It was a new life, a new life source coming to the inside. And as I began to ponder that, and I'll, I'll just say to you, that was as miraculous as any miracle in the Bible. And it continues to be as miraculous as any miracle in the Bible. Whenever that happens in anybody's life, in anybody's spirit, that's a great miracle. And let me say, the reason I say it, it is as miraculous as any miracle in the Bible, because it is patterned after the incarnation itself. I'll just enlarge upon that in just a moment a little bit with you. It's patterned after the birth of Jesus. <clears throat> Now, it had been uh, discovered, of course, through many uh, hundreds and thousands of years that rules and regulations could not really change the heart of man. Couldn't really change him so that he did things differently from the inside out. He could modify behaviors by rules and regulations, and we seek to do that today. And we are governed by many rules and regulations. But how to live the Christian life is determined by the implanting of a new life on the, in the, on the inside of the human spirit. Now I have another question for you this morning, and that is how did Jesus, how was uh, Jesus born? How was Jesus born? Or another way of saying that is how did God become man? How did God become man? Now we just celebrated Christmas, and we've talked about and celebrated the birth of Jesus. <coughs> And we have exchanged gifts with one another because we perceive that this is the greatest gift ever given to mankind. 
And so how did God become man? And so we understand from the revelation of Scripture that God became man when a pre-existing person, God the Word, this is so tremendous. Now when we come to this question, we come to this question in kind of a hushed reverence. Because there's a great deal about this that we don't know. Now there's something about this that we don't know. There will be people who will disagree about different aspects of this. In terms of our understanding is limited. But what we believe that we can see in this is that a pre-existing person laid aside rights and privileges that he had and was implanted in the womb of a virgin girl. He did not uh, his being did not originate in the womb of the virgin girl. He existed before. There was this miraculous thing that we do not fully comprehend where God the Word was implanted in the womb of a virgin girl and he became Jesus. It would become one born Jesus of Nazareth. There was not just the fertilization of an egg owned by Mary. I'm getting into something here that we don't talk about very much. And again, this is an area where some may disagree a little bit because of our limited understanding. It was not just that Mary brought something and God brought something. And there came into existence a new person. It wasn't just that. All that Mary brought was a womb. And I say it very reverently. And to not to diminish anything in this. Mary had a womb. Virgin. God brought his word. Pre-existent. And planted his word in Mary's womb. And he did that by sending his angel to Mary with his word, the message. And Mary accepting the message from the angel. Be it unto me according to what you have said. And in that moment of time, the word from eternity past was made flesh. It wasn't made flesh when he was born, nine months later. But he was made flesh in that instant and in that moment. He was made flesh in the womb of Mary. Now, in like manner not exactly the same way of course because he would be described as the only begotten of the father never was anyone ever begotten in that way never would anyone ever again be begotten like that uniquely begotten of the father but in like in like a manner um, Jesus came to make it possible for something phenomenal to happen to us and for us to become a new creation in Christ Jesus it requires the word of God to be ministered to us and to be implanted in our spirit 
of the Word incarnate was planted in Mary's womb. For us to become a believer, a new creation in Christ Jesus, the Word of God must be planted in our spirit. It's not like in Mary, planted in our spirit. And we become in our spirit a new creation in Christ Jesus, a new person, a new creation. With that new name that we talked about last week. And so as the word came to Mary, the word comes to us. It's not possible for anyone to have this new birth experience. I suppose this is the part that back about the age of 26 when I began to see some of these things for the first time. Oh, I so wanted to broadcast this far and wide, and I know many of you would share that same sentiment. Oh, I wanted to broadcast this far and wide. It requires the ministry of the Word, though, to come to us. Now, this is not accomplished just by information, you know, by Bible studies alone. It's not accomplished just by Sunday school classes. It's not accomplished just by some very uh, wonderful, nice-hearted, good-hearted person coming to us and saying to us on a certain day, would you like to receive Jesus as your personal Savior? If you just pray with me this prayer, God will honor it and he will, you know, you'll become a new person in Christ Jesus. You know, as uh, as honest as those attempts to bring about a new creation are. It takes more than that. Now, that could be all that it takes if that person was endued from God, from the Spirit of God, with the Word of God, and called to minister that Word to a person, then that's all that would be required. But what I want to say is, as the Word was ministered to Mary, the word must be ministered to us. We do not, the word of God does not is not implanted in our spirit to bring about the new creation unless it is the, the true bona fide ministry of the word. This is why we so need the ministry of the word. And there's a great deal of Bible teaching that is not the ministry of the word. Oh Lord, help us in this. Oh Lord, grace us with your spirit and with your word so that it has the power to bring about this new creation life in the spirit of every person who will reach out and embrace it. Many people have reached out and embraced a message that has come to them that has fallen short of being actually the ministered word. Well, that's what it is. Now, it begins like that, and it is uh, continued and strengthened like that. I have a little slide I want to present to you this morning. This is basically uh, a quote from Exodus chapter 23, verses 20 through 26. And Sherry will begin this slide for us. And uh, I want to come, the reason I present this to you this morning is it describes to us the way in which the Lord leads his people and the way in which he will lead you and me. But it also describes something, we'll come to the final verse that I want to share with you. This is to the nation of Israel, the, uh, uh, the Israelites, as they uh, are about to go to the Promised Land. And the Lord is promising them certain things. It says, Behold, I send an angel before you 
to keep you in the way and to bring you to the place which I have prepared. In other words, I've prepared a place for you to go and I'm going to send an angel to lead you in the way to take you to the place that I've prepared for you. Be on guard before him and obey his voice and do not provoke him for he will not pardon your transgressions for my name is in him. Now, let me just say that this tells us specifically to the nation of Israel, but it also tells us that the Lord leads us. He sends his messengers to lead us in the way in which we should go, and it is not something that is to be just uh, taken lightly by any stretch, because as he said, do not provoke him, for he will not pardon your transgressions, for my name is in him. This is serious. That's what he's saying to his people. Serious. But if you shall indeed obey his voice and do not and do all that I speak, then I will be an enemy to your enemies and a foe to your foes. For my angel shall go before you and bring you into the Amorites and the Hittites and the Perizzites and the Canaanites and the Hivites and the Jebusites, and I will cut them off. You shall not bow down to their gods nor serve them, and you shall not do according to their works you shall surely pull them down and surely you shall smash their images and you shall serve Jehovah your God and he shall bless your bread and your water and I will take sickness away from the midst of you wonderful promises aren't these wonderful promises nothing shall cast their young be no miscarriages nor be barren in your land the number of your days I will fulfill. There are a number of days that God has given to each one of us. And the Lord says that no one will be cut off prematurely in their life. Because the full number of days that have been given to each person will be fulfilled. I think the reason I wanted to share that passage with you this morning is because this came to me with great clarity just some time ago as I was thinking a little bit back on the departure of my mother, my father, and my eldest brother. And I was was thinking about that a little bit. And it seemed to me important to go and to uh, just to ask and find out how many days, what were the number of their days? I hadn't read this passage yet. I was just, this is the way in in my uh, meditation. So the next sheet, the next slide will tell us. Frank, my dad, had 33,806 days. My mom, Dorothy, you see she has more. 34,158 days were the number of her days. God knew the number of her days. God knew the number of his days. But God also has a number for you and for me in his perfect plan. Let's let's enjoy his perfect plan. Let's not allow anything to enter into our lives that would detract or take away from the Lord being able to say to us, the full number of your days I will fulfill and I will take sickness away from the midst of you. That's mom. It says, and counting, 36,423 days. 
and that's soon to be 98 years in April 98 years but you can see that she has uh, outnumbered my mother by oh almost 3,000 days and counting and then I thought well brother John 24,354 days not very many compared to his dad and his mom and certainly not very many compared to Granny Horner I just did this a few days ago Harold uh, my brother Harold has 25,945 days as of a few days ago and the baby of the family is 24,722 days on the day that I counted this and I was shocked when I looked at that and said, I have lived more days than my oldest brother on this planet. By more than 300. More than a year. And I said, surely John was not that young when he left us. Now in this period of meditation when I was considering some of these things, then it came to me like this. Um, because I was asking what will the latter years be like what will the latter days be like how will they differ from the former years is it possible for the latter years in a person's life to be more productive than the former years or as it happens most often the latter years tend to wane and diminish and become uh, more uh, mild and, and so on in comparison with the former years and it came to me uh, like this. Well, a great deal of this has to do with you. A great deal of this has to do with you and your commitment to the message that I have given to you. Um, if you will uh, be faithful to the message and present fully the message that I have given to you, then your last, the number of your days, the final number of your days, will be according to those that have been provided for you they will be the most productive days of your life it all depends on your dedication to the message and presenting the message without wavering from it to the left or to the right and I had to say in all honesty there are many things I haven't said many things that I have held back from saying and then it came like this well what gives you the right to hold back from saying anything that is a message that is given to you come on you are responsible to deliver respectfully honorably uh, the message never to impose it in any way on anyone but to present it faithfully just exactly as it is given to you and if you will do that I will fulfill the full number of your days that's what I propose to do and I would say that's good for all of us so before Sherry comes to the next slide I want to uh, just suggest a couple of things to you our lives are are governed a great deal by fences fences you think of the fences that are put up in society fences are rules and regulations or laws fences are things that say you can go here but not here 
you can go here in this time, but you can't go in this time. Fences. Fences are those things that God determined to establish with his people Israel. And he sent them his perfect fences. The perfect fences that God sent to Israel were his laws, his commandments. And they were perfect because they were absolutely holy and righteous in every way. And they said, you may do this, you may not do this, you should do this, you may not do the other. So there were fences, boundaries. They would not keep those boundaries from the heart. They could not, it seems, because their heart was not right before God. It was carnal, natural. Just as ours is as a consequence of our natural birth. Requiring something tremendously different to happen to them, a new covenant God said, I will make. This is the reason that the Word became flesh and lived among us. To make possible a heart change in us. So that the fences that are uh, absolutely essential in life, the fences are spiritual, and God writes and records the fences in our spirit. If we could see that, it would just transform our lives so radically. So now it's not so much from the outside coming in, you can't do this, you can do this, you can't do this, you can't do the other, but from the inside comes this compelling motivation inspired by love and affection for God supremely. I desire to do your will, O Lord. What is your will for me to do? Here it is, I'm writing it in your spirit by my word. And the recording is on the inside and the fences are in the spirit you shall go here, but not over here. You shall go here during this period of time, but not during this other period of time. See the difference? One's from the inside, the other's from the outside. Let's look at the slide. Now, isn't that like life? The farmer has put fence over the cow. He wants to fence off areas so the cow will stay in one area and not go to another area. I don't have to go into detail all the reasons for this. The farmer knows the reasons for it. He will separate the older cows from the younger cows. He will separate the horses from the cows. He will separate the pigs from all these others. Um, but look at the horse now. The same thing with the horse. You see, the tendency is always to go to that fence and do what? Try to get something that's on the other side. Beth, have you ever had horses like that? Is that one of the reasons that the top rail on the fences or the top boards on the fences are always chewed and so easily uh, pushed out of place? And how many have you seen the farmer's field with the page wire fence and the top of the page wire in between the posts depressed and pressed down from the cows going over and leaning on? Now, the fences are necessary, but rather than external fences imposed on us, God records and writes the fences in our spirit. And so then the person who has been given this new life in Christ Jesus, the word has been implanted within your spirit, then from the inside you have a guidance system on the inside that tells you what is right, what is wrong for you what's appropriate for you and what is inappropriate for you, and it comes from the inside. Now this is a treasure 
that uh, we uh, words cannot describe but that's what it means to be a Christian and I don't think that many understand that I honestly do not believe that many in the so-called Christian uh, world understand that it's a profound thing but that's what it is Well, how should we then live? What should our lifestyle be like? How should we then live? So what I'd like to propose to do in the last few minutes that we've shared together is I would like to uh, present to you what I believe to be, based on what we said so far, the kind of life, um, the kind of lifestyle that comes out uh, uh, genuinely and uh, honestly from the inside of a person where God has written his word on the inside of them and how that affects them, what their lifestyle is like. And so what I want to do before we go to the next slide, I want to say that this uh, could be described perfectly by the kind of relationships the person has in their life. First I'll say the relationship with God. Relationship with God would be one that would be just basically a relationship of supreme devotion, which would be the motivation from deep within would be to know His will with an intense desire to do it. I want to know your will, O Lord. An intense desire to do it. It would be a relationship with God where God is Father. And there would be the most intimate of communion and fellowship with God as a Father. The fellowship would involve the mutual communication and conversation back and forth with God speaking to the spirit of the individual and the spirit or heart of the individual speaking and prayerfully speaking with God. Asking him as a father questions. The father replying and responding with answers. And all this is the word of God coming and fortifying and strengthening the new life in the spirit so that the individual now is enabled to grow and become strong in faith and in affection and love for God. Another relationship is the relationship between children and parents and parents and children relationship that this new life would, what it would bring about in terms of lifestyle on the inside of a, of a young person for example with regard to their parents would be one of obedience and looking at their parents for guidance. A great desire to be guided by the instruction of their parents and obedience to them. Another one would be a relationship would be the relationship between an individual and their spouse and this is in the area of uh, it could be dating and eventually in the marriage life. Uh, and with this one is one that uh, I say to you this morning to present the message that has been has been presented to me. Then I must very carefully present this. I am deeply, deeply, deeply disturbed in my spirit, not just my personality, but in my spirit by a lack of clear seeing in this area. God has a perfect choice for every individual in terms of the one with whom they will spend the rest of their lives. They will spend the majority of their, of their days with a spouse. Not the minority of days, but the majority of days. There may be that many individuals that you will meet in your life. There may be. 
you're a young person, you've already made this decision, I'm not saying anything to you. I'm talking to those who have not made this decision yet. Because before you make decisions is the time to determine and carefully evaluate the decision. There may be 10 or so individuals that you may encounter in your life that may potentially be the one that you will actually marry and will be your spouse. How to know who that person would be would be the greatest, most significant question in a young person who really desires to follow God and to have Jesus as their brother. You see, because when we're born again by the Spirit, Jesus becomes our elder brother. You know that? We're actually adopted into the family of God. We're not born into it like Jesus was born, but we are adopted. Spiritual adoption. Now, I have this example from the scripture that comes to me with Simeon. Simeon, the old man, the very ancient or elderly man in the temple in Jerusalem, who had this promise from God that he would live to see the Messiah. And he would come to the temple on a regular basis and he would say, Is it today? Is it today, Lord? Will I see him today? Oh, you've given me your promise, and I know you've given me your promise. I will not experience death until I see him. One day he came to the temple. It was on a day when Mary and Joseph brought the baby Jesus to the temple, dedicating it. And the word of God came to Simeon, anointed of the Holy Spirit, said, this is the child, this is he, took him in his arms, and he prayed that most wonderful prayer. Well, in the same way that Simeon was able enabled to know, you can be enabled to know. It's not different than that. It's the same as that. Different circumstance. But the process is the very same. Now, there is one out there. If you are committed to live the Christian life, and you can't be committed to live the Christian life until you've had the Word ministered to you in your spirit, in the way where you embrace it in your spirit, and it becomes and creates in you a new person, a new creation. And you say, Lord, I want to, uh, I want to walk in the path that you have laid out for me to walk. The most important decision that I will make in my life is the one with whom I will spend it. The one with whom I will produce children in this world. And by the way, who will they be when they come? What will their names be? I don't know. This is something I don't think you've ever heard in your life before. Whenever you come to the place one day in your life where you stand before God at an altar and you commit yourself, if you're a young lady to a man or a young man, if you commit yourself to a young lady, And by so doing, you marry that individual. The person becomes your husband or your wife. You have opened the door now to individuals coming into the world. You don't know them yet. But you've made possible and opened the door to maybe three or four or five or who knows the number. And you have names. They'll have names. And they'll become real living individuals whom you will love and embrace. 
But you have also closed the door to many others by that decision. And who knows whether the decision you made is one that God would have you make. Do you follow what I'm saying to you this morning? That there are a number of individuals in life that have never ever been born whom they would have been born had a young man waited until he married the young lady that God brought to him and said, this is the one, this is the one, this is the one. Well, the reason this is so important is because there's nothing more difficult in life than for a spirit-filled woman or a spirit-filled man to spend their entire life married to someone who does not share their life at the spirit level. It's a tragedy. Now, all I'm advocating this morning, I'm not here to tell anyone whom they should marry or should not. Although, I'll say this, I must interject this. If you are a young girl, young lady, or a young man, some of you are, the one in whom the Word of God dwells and the Spirit of God resides is the one that will want to know with a sincerity that has no bounds who is right for me, God. One of the wisest things you will ever do is to go to your father, go to your mother, and ask them, before you allow yourself to become entangled and uh, and attached to that person emotionally, psychologically, and say to them, is there anything here that gives you pause? Or come to people like me and ask the same question. You know that there are many, many, many things that people like me, I'm not just saying me, could say to you, that would be so accurate in terms of spiritual perception that I can honestly say that I don't think that one person has ever come to me and asked those questions. And that is not right. Now I say these things, I offer these things. I don't impose them. I must say them. And I'm happy to say them. Because I know they're right. The other thing, and I would say this to you, and this would be, how should we then live? This would be the way in which uh, young people would conduct themselves with one another. And we're living in a society where if two people begin to date, it's almost unavoidable that it's just a hands-on experience almost from day one. This is absolutely wrong. It should never be this clingy, touchy kind of experience from day one, leaning on, hanging on one another. These are expressions of affection that are reserved by God for the marriage relationship. And people do not know that. And parents, for some reason, even Christian parents, can't seem to see that. And as a result of that grave error, young people are making mistakes and becoming emotionally attached to others whom they should flee from, run from, never ever marry. 
This is the word of the Lord. But these things will come naturally to the spirit that is born again and is being fed by the word of God. We'll close with this slide that I have uh, for you this morning. There is a place, and this slide will be kind of an example of what I mean to follow a path to a certain destination. And uh, there is a place in Scotland that's called Campbell Castle. You know, I, I don't know why, I don't know how to explain this, but I have an affection for Scotland. I suppose because I know that I have roots there, you know. But I do. I just love the highlands and I love the, the lay of the land there, the pictures I see. And I have this most beautiful picture of a castle in Scotland. It's called Campbell Castle, and I want to know how to get there. I'm going to show you this little picture of how to get there, but I want to use it as an example of how to follow a path God's destination and how to resist all the alternatives side roads and highways and so on that you can turn off on any time you want if you do you will not arrive at Campbell Castle and there are many uh, our lives are like that there are all kinds of roads that we can turn off on and be side trailed or sidetracked by but if we do that we never arrive at the place that God has called us to arrive at that's what we want. So we're in a little village now in Scotland, and we have to go to Campbell Castle. First of all, Sherry goes over to the slide. I want to show you a picture of this beautiful, beautiful, well, you see it needs some repair. Well, it's been there since the 15th century. It's been there since the 15th century. And there are more than one, you know, by the way, castles. But this is one. It's a beautiful place, but the question is how to get there. And Sherry will move over to the little graphic on the lower right, and she'll play for us a little video that describes and shows to us how we get there. Now you're in Tilt Coultry. You all know where Tilt Coultry is. Just click on the arrow there, Sherry. Did you just want to sit there, Sherry? Let me see if I can. Okay, here we go. If you could picture an angel of the Lord going before you, preparing a way for you to follow, I'd suggest to you that that little blue line could illustrate that. He'd say, don't depart from it, from the left or to the right. He'd say, when it comes time for you to turn left or right, I'll tell you beforehand. Just carefully observe. Oh, so many turns that could be made. Oh, you see all the alternatives? There's the only turn to make. That almost seems like there's no road here. But it is Campbell Castle. There it is. There it is. And you'll never find a billboard in life that will say, you know, out here, go here, go here, do this, do this other. God will record and write those things on your spirit. That's what the new life in Christ Jesus is. That's what our inheritance is in Christ Jesus. That's what it is. It's a very real, real experience. 
intended and designed for everyone. Not live from the outside in, but live from the inside out. Ruth, would you tell me?